So I've been given the task of talking about healthy leaders. And so and I think you, you, when you want to talk about healthy leaders, you've got to do a couple of things. One, you've got to understand the context that we're in. Uh, and so because where I kept drifting as I was trying to write this, I kept talking about godly leaders, all right? Uh, and, and so surely at some level, those two things are synonymous. You are not a good leader in our environment if you're not godly, right? Uh, but I've been around enough to know I've seen guys who are really good leaders lead really cool things that aren't godly. And, and so I want to do a couple of things here. I want to talk about godly leadership, and then I want to give you some kind of practical things to look at and consider uh, as you take stock in your own soul about your own health in regards to leading. I don't care if you're the lead guy or you're the lead guy over junior high. We need to consider uh, the word of the Lord. So I've got three things on um, how I want you to think about godly good leadership. And then I've got four things that are just kind of practical. Let's take stock uh, on where we are. No poems. I apologize for that, but I got three and then four. Um, so let, let's talk first good, healthy, godly leadership. John 15, if you'll go ahead and turn there. Four through eight. You, you will probably know this text says this, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and he withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Now I feel like I could just hang out in this text with you all day and I mean straight all day, got a service tonight at five, can't do that. But there are several things. If you write in your Bible, I, I think you need to circle, highlight, underline, mark the word withers. Because where we abide, we don't wither. And where we stop abiding, we begin to wither. And, and so there is a process by which we become dead branches. Nobody I know starts in ministry as a dead branch, right? We were excited about the Lord. We couldn't believe that someone asked us to serve the Lord in this capacity. Like, I mean, I, I remember the first time somebody asked me to come teach the, the Bible. I felt like I was an idiot. I mean, I was just reading the Bible, devouring it. And somebody saw that and said, hey, would you come, would you come just teach here? Will you just open up the Word of God? And I mean, I just remember thinking, wow, a little nauseous, a little excited that someone was going to let me talk about Jesus. It wasn't one-on-one -on -one evangelism. I was going to get to stand in front of people and talk about Jesus. I threw up about two times. Had a manuscript that was like 42 pages long. And if you know me, man, I'm not a manuscript brother, but I was just like, oh my gosh, so nervous and anxious. And, and then fear man popped up. Gosh, what's going to happen if this stinks? What happens if I defame your name? What if I say something that is wrong? What if I, I mean, I'm just churning, all right, hugging toilet now at this point, and just, I, I don't know that I'd ever prayed like that before. I, I just felt this just great, God, I need you. I'm going to jack this up. And then here's what happened. It went awesome. 
it went awesome. Now, I listened to it all these years later. It's terrible. <laughs> but here's what happened. So just straight, here's what happened. God moved. He, I'm telling you, he moved. Um, it was um, Sunday night youth service at First Baptist Church of Tech City. Now, I stood up. It's terrible. Terrible. And, and afterwards, men, men and women came down to the altars and prayed and cried and repented. And the chairman of the deacon stood up and just said, this, this young man and his friends, they're shaming us, adults, and how they love the Lord and how they love the word and how they're sharing the gospel with their friends. And then I can just keep walking you through these moments where early on I was just like, oh my gosh, can I do this? Please, Lord, help me do this. And, and then it was like that for a while. And then, listen, it stopped being like that. It stopped being like that. Somewhere in the middle of all of that, I realized, hey man, I'm pretty freaking good at this. <laughs> oh, we can't, no real talk here? <laughs> okay, I mean, I just didn't know y'all all godly and stuff. Here, come on up, I'll take off, you can have it. Right? Like I realized I can do this. And then uh, after about 10 years, I mean, I'd blown through Wayne Grudem's systematic theology like 42 times. I mean, I'm just reading and devouring, and I've got now, not only um, do I have my personality and human, not only have I memorized all this Bible, but I've read systematic theology books, biblical theology books, and now it's how do I put this together? It stopped being, oh, God, help me. I'm going to mess this up. It became, I know what I'm saying. This is what's right. Now, in some sense, let us always be confident in the word of God. Let us always be confident in sound doctrine. So please don't hear me undermining that. But when we stop abiding, we start withering. So I would never attack confidence, brothers. I want you confident in the Lord. But where you will not make abiding with God a priority, you will begin to dry out. You will begin to be driven by what's instead of why's. You're going to grow disheartened and you're going to do something dumb. But the one who abides bears fruit. Right? It's to the glory of God that you bear much fruit. Abide in the Father. So on a practical note in abiding, because I'm not talking about your quiet time per se, but I, I don't know how ministry looks for you. I'll tell you how it should look to you. Busy. Because everywhere I go, there's a ton of sinners, and I've just been in the middle of them as one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is never a time at the village church somebody doesn't have cancer, somebody's doubting their faith, Somebody has a child that just got sick. Somebody's got a spouse that just got, there is never a time where you're like, hey, everyone right now in our church is growing in the Lord, is stable, worshiping, sharing their faith and making disciples of their friends. <laughs> like here, I'm 12 years in at the village, cool things have happened. We hadn't even got close to that. Right, if anything, I'm like running, uh, and, and I've got members and pastors here, like I'm running a daycare, yo. I mean, like, kid crapped himself over there. This kid keeps breaking stuff. Whose kid is that anyways? Even one of ours? Who's it? Get that kid out of here, right? It's chaos. And, and here's what, Mike Johnny, am I lying? I ain't lying, right? And so what happens in that is I start getting driven by what I have to do. I mean, it drives me. Like, listen, this week, it's, I had to put this sermon together. 
And then God, I walk off, I'm gonna sing with you. I walk off the stage, get him and go straight to my office. Cause I got five o'clock tonight, preaching Hebrews 12, one through two, about 60% done. Oh, y'all are ready, huh? Then you come teach me. And, and so, and then next week it doesn't stop. Uh, next week I've got that thing on Friday, right? I told you what I had done on that talk. I've got meetings this week going on. Uh, I've got Act Like Men here in Dallas next weekend, which will cry Friday night and Saturday night. I am driven by what I have to get done. I, I haven't even mentioned anything administrative, anything kind of decisive, decision-making, any of that going on. Didn't mention the fact that I was on the phone for an hour yesterday with CPS over an issue with somebody who attends. It drives us, and here's what I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if abiding is not a priority, you'll forget the why. So some ways that I've tried to, in my own world, build in space, and, and listen, this is, this is hard, but I've just done it. I mean, Rick's standing right here, we just we fight for it. Um, one Wednesday a month, we just put down on my calendar the day. That's what it says, the day. And on that day, I take my Bible and a paper journal and I get alone with the Lord. Because I don't trust myself with my iPad, yo. Maybe you trust you. I don't trust me. It would be calling me. Check me. <laughs> it will. It, it has me, man. It's got his grips in me. Like, even as I read all these articles about how it's owning us, I'm just like, man, it ain't, it ain't owning us, right? It, I mean, it is. It, so I can't trust it. So I'm not on my iPad. I'm not checking Evernote. I'm not dumping thoughts into um, kind of mind dumps. It's paper, journal, and my Bible. Like, uh, the Bible, not the, the Bible, right? And, and I'm going to get alone, and I'm going to just be with the Lord. And listen to me. It's hard. It's difficult. I want to go. But he said, no, no, no. You want to be healthy and godly? Come here. Sit down. Stay a while. Healthy leaders abide with their God. They abide with him. Build in that time. No one's going to offer it up to you. And, and don't give me that, Chandler, how would you want me? I know what size your church is, your staff. You, you just said you got an assistant. I, you know who's my assistant? Me. <laughs> okay, well, look at me. Then put it on your calendar. <laughs> hey, from 160 to 12,000, nothing's changed in regards to demand. On my, if anything, demands have increased, not decreased. Now, I'll be straight. I don't have to set up no chairs anymore. I don't. I, I don't have to sit down and go, uh, what kind of graphic are we going to use for this series? I don't have to do any of that anymore. But look, you saw the logo. Sixth thing, you don't either. Grace, boop, print out. Everybody in the church just got saved. Logos is legit. Now, uh, in, in the end, you must make this a priority because no one will offer it up for you. There will always be a crisis. There will always be a major task. There will always be a major initiative. There will always, there's always something or you're doing it wrong. So you must make abiding a priority or 
You will wither, you will dry up, you will get thrown into the fire. You saying I'm going to hell? No, I didn't know. I'm just saying you'll get roasted. <laughs> Abide. That's the first thing, healthy, godly leader. Here's the second thing. And, and by the way, these three things, really, they're so woven together that they're hard to tease out because where you abide, I think these others naturally happen. A healthy leader, godly leader, abides with the Lord. A healthy, godly leader walks in humility. And that humility is birthed out of abiding. Like, if we just began to walk through the men in the Bible that are better than us, who saw angels or came before the Lord, like nobody was proud of their resume, right? Can we just agree that Isaiah is probably a, a more gifted communicator than you and I are? And what did he say? Woe is me. I'm like, what's up, Lord? Woe is me. John, the disciple who Jesus loved, sees an angel, has a vision, falls on the ground like a dead man. To abide in the Lord produces humility. Brothers, our Bibles are filled with men who started strong and lost their way. Please don't think that you're not that man. I, I would like this to be a fear of yours. I would like for you to read 2 Chronicles 26 and read where Uzziah was blowing and going and killing stuff for the Lord. And then get to that, he was marvelously helped until he was strong, and Uzziah grew proud to his own destruction. And then you go, oh my God, that could be me. That could be me. Gosh, in what ways am I already creeping that way? Well, because if you're not abiding in the Lord, then humility becomes more difficult. And listen to me, you won't be able to spot the drift. It's in abiding in and with the Lord that you spot the drifts. The Apostle Paul is just so gentle with us in Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So Paul's just saying, hey, sober judgment. Don't think of yourself so highly. You should think very seriously about how you view yourself. You should think very seriously about how you View yourself. So the godly leader, healthy, abides. He walks in humility and he walks in accountability. Um, Proverbs 27, 17 is one of those kind of a coffee cup verses uh, that we think is cute. And in reality, it's not cute. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You realize that process isn't the iron cuddling with one another, right? You get that? Like that's a violent process. There are sparks. There is flame. There is Pain in ironing, iron sharpening iron. The healthy, godly leader has brothers, has sisters in his or her life that can make sparks fly. That has permission to go, no, 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 no. That was an exaggeration. Don't do that. They can step in and go, you know what? That's inconsistent. What, what your mouth and your life are doing, that's inconsistent, brother. That's a path of death. Be careful. Let us not say from the stage what we do not live with our lives. And, and look at me. I think, this is just me now, all right? So Bible over here. I, I think the wise man will hear it from anyone. But that's hard, isn't it? I don't, I don't want to pretend that's not hard. Like, I got dudes in my staff that, I mean, they'll walk in sometimes like, you know, actually what happens there? And I'm just like, oh, gosh, shut up. 
get on it. Can, again, can we not be real? Do you not get to that place where you're like, just do what I say? No one else? Amen. I mean, I get to that pl- I can get to that place, man. I don't want to and do what I say. The wise man will let the intern come in and ask questions. I, the godly man might even enjoy it. I don't enjoy it yet, so I'm not going to put myself in that category. And, and by the way, if you're an intern, there's a way in tone and time to have that conversation with the lead guy. And there's a way, there's a tone and time to come in and then get your resume together afterwards. All right. So uh, respect, honor those in authority. But brothers, let us be sisters. Let us be the type of men and women who are willing to hear. The reason we can't see our blind spots is because they've been defined as blind spots, right? The godly, healthy leader walks in accountability. Now, let me get into kind of some practical kind of let's check our hearts here. Um, and, and so let, let me, here's a couple of things I think I've seen in healthy leaders. Um, healthy leaders grow in their self-awareness. Healthy leaders grow in their self-awareness. So um, what does it mean to grow in your self-awareness? Well, let me list a couple of things here. To be truly self-aware, one needs to make sure that they understand what truly rules their heart. Right, what truly rules your heart. So if you're going to grow in self-awareness, if you're going to grow in who you actually are, what's act- you, you have to grow in what actually drives your heart, what actually is ruling your soul. And, and so let, let's talk about some populars in Christian ministry. Um, some of us are driven by ego. Can we be honest? Some of us, we were in youth group, and man, that's where we kind of got patted on the head. You know, we were reading books while everyone else was playing sports. Couldn't quite find our home and found it in youth group. And so we liked that. We liked being a leader in youth group. And we just rolled it. And we've just been riding that wave right up to this day. And it is ego that drives our ministry. Some others, it's a wound, right? We didn't get hugged by our daddy. And so ministry is the way that we get hugged by our pops. We didn't get words of affirmation from dad. We didn't get encouraged by him. But for whatever reason, in Christian ministry, people are like, man, you're really good at that, Right? And, and then, let, let's be straight, um, most of us are kind of somewhere in the middle and not quite sure all that's driving us. Um, after I was diagnosed with cancer, um, and they gave me like the hard conversation where they were like, you got two to three years, a couple of those years are going to be pretty nasty because we're going to poison and radiate the mess out of you. Um, I, I, it, that creates some internal crisis in you. And um, here's what I learned about myself. I don't know what drives me sometimes. Like, here's what I can tell you just unapologetic. I love Jesus Christ. I love him. I'm in. I want to do whatever he wants me to do. I want to go wherever he wants me to go. I love making much of him. But I also know this. When I make much of him, others make much of me. And so here's where I landed. It had better be by the grace of God because I don't know. As much as I can spot wickedness in me, I'm going to confess it. But you want to grow in self-awareness? you got to look in there and go, what am I really after? Whose approval am I really pursuing? Do I like that too much? What really is ruling my heart? Um, to be truly self-aware, you're going to need to know how you're wired. Here's what's funny to me in Christian circles, and maybe it's this way outside of them, um, but um, there, we put guys in, in front of you who God has usually um, especially gifted, and then what we do is we try to pick up on their rhythms when God hadn't designed us like that. 
Like, I'm telling you, you, you start reading about Al Mohler's life and you try to do that, you're going to die. You're like, okay, sleep two hours a night, read four books a day, and remember it all. You're like, I'm such a failure. No, you're not a failure. You're not Al Mohler. No, you're not. You're not Al. He just touches stuff and absorbs the information. It's crazy. You're not. But early on, what I would do is I'd be around these guys and go, oh, they, they read when, they read how much, they do what. Oh, I've got to do that. And I found out I wasn't able to do it. And then there would be this type of self-condemnation that I would walk in because I wasn't good enough to read like that or to, right? You need to be self-aware. God has made you, wired you, and placed you where you are. It's a blasphemous thing to accuse God of not knowing what he's doing by putting you where you are. Quit wanting to be somebody else. You're you. If God thought your area, your church, your place needed some other evangelical name that you look at and oh about, then he wouldn't have put you there. He would have put them, but he put you. Be self-aware how you're wired. Um, some people are, let, let's just do it. How many of you are late night folk? Okay. How many of you are early morning folk? <laughs> Obviously. Uh, <laughs> How many of you love this one? How many of you are neither? Just neither, really. Just whenever I have to get up, let's do it. Right, so, here, so here's just for Like, it's important for you to know that. Or you're going to come to some place and some well-known evangelical is going to say, I get up at five every morning, open up Edward's religious affection. <laughs> Slowly turn through the pages while I meditate upon, and you're going to be like, i got to get up at five. I gotta order Jonathan Edwards resolutions. You're gonna be up at five. Fall asleep on fall asleep on religious affections. No, be you. Be you. Listen, be free to be you. Now, be the most sanctified, gifted version of you you can be. Don't be lazy. But be you. There, there is a time, brothers, to make our bodies submit. And there's a time, brothers, to listen to how we've been wired by God. You're not all going to read a book a week. And that doesn't make you a bad leader or a bad Christian. Or a bad, It doesn't. Breathe. You're not all going to get in your prayer closet and pray for nine hours a day. Breathe. Should you be prayerful? Always. Know who you are. Being self-aware means knowing how you're wired, what your bandwidth is. Quit saying yes so much. To be truly self-aware, we need to know what our strengths and weaknesses are. Like brothers, I love you. You're not good at everything. Yet, like, I'm, I'm just telling you, some of you need to just study your Bible and preach and be godly and stop working on the budget. And then, brothers, even more so, some of you need to work on the budget, keep reading your Bible, and let somebody else teach. And I know, I don't think I don't know, everybody in this room is like, not me. I know where I am. Growing in self-awareness means we are paying attention to our thoughts and actions and their effect on people. Brothers, sisters, the way you behave affects others. Don't be blind to that. 
So one of the things that I've had to grow in uh, as a leader myself is um, at the village and really in other places, my voice carries a lot of weight and I don't mean for it. And so then there'll be people who are frightened. I mean, I, I, don't, I just think I'm the nicest guy in the world. I mean, I'd love to hug you, talk, say hi to you. I mean, hang out, let's go grab a drink. But, but literally, there, there are people, like even on the staff at the village, they're like, oh, here he comes, don't make eye contact. I'm like, what? hey, wait, where are you going? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> There's a way that we affect people. It's wise for you to know how you do affect people. And there have been a lot of brothers die on this one. Because how you affect other people with your actions and behaviors is partly on them, but it is also partly on you. One of the things I had to learn about myself, I'm super witty and sarcastic, and there'd be people that wouldn't approach because they didn't want to be on the receiving end of my wit. <laughs> I mean, you can laugh at me. I'm trying to, this is like a legitimate issue that even now I'm going, okay, Lord, help me with this. Because I'm snarky, and, 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 and every tribe I run in values that in some level. But I've learned that there are people that go, man, I don't want to be a victim in this circle of Chandler's wit, so I'm just going to avoid him. That, that's something... I've got to fix. That's something that I'm working on. We must pay attention to how we affect others. So um, healthy leaders growing in self-awareness. I gave you some ways to, to be self-aware. They manage their physical vitality. Right? I'm not talking about you joining a CrossFit box. Right? I, I love how Jonathan Edwards paid attention to, um, not that you have to wake up and read him, but I, I loved how Jonathan Edwards paid attention to how food and exercise affected his ability to study, know the word of God, and minister. Like, he was that serious about loving the people of God. Like, yeah, I'm not going to eat that. If I eat that, I'm going to get cranky and need a nap. So I'm going to eat that because if I eat that, I can study longer. I can minister to the people of God longer. In fact, you know what I've learned? In the middle of the afternoon, I need to go on a ride. This is Edwards. Edwards needed to get out and go on a ride, all right? Mr. Study 42 hours a day in a 24-hour day thought, I need to get out and ride. I need to get outside, let the sun get on me. Sorry, Northwesterners. And, and then get out and just get some air on me so I can think better, be, right? We manage our physical vitality. I'm, again, I'm, I'm not talking, if you're hearing me talk about six-pack abs and dieting, you are not hearing me. I'm saying we're serious about how food and sleep and exercise affects us as far as leading and loving the people of God go. We pursue spiritual depth. Godly, healthy leaders pursue spiritual depth. But I, depth, I want to break that down into two pieces. Um, they experience uh, that, that pursuing spiritual depth partly is intellectual. And it is partly experiential. All right, so hang with me. Um, the part that's intellectual is growing in an understanding of who God is and, and what he has done that incites worship in us that is correct and lined up with his word. So if I, if I called Lauren, my wife, she was singing with Bleeker most of this weekend, but we've got three kids and so she's at the house. So if you saw me put my arm around her, kiss her, and you're like, that's inappropriate, it's not. It's not, all right? Now, if I called Lauren right now, she's um, with the kids, uh, and said, hey, boo, I, um, God, I can't wait to get home and stare deeply into your green eyes to rub my hands through that black raven hair of yours. That is not awesome because my wife does not have black hair and she does not have green eyes. And she's not going to go, well, you tried. <laughs> I kind of see your heart behind that. No, no, no. It's, 
I love your blue eyes. I love whatever color I've paid for here this week. She ain't watching. Told you, she's with the kids. No, 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 no. Correct doctrine leads to correct affection. And we worshiped best when we are informed best. We grow intellectually. Spiritual depth is pursued in the life of the mind. But hear me, it must also be experienced. So there must be a pursuit of the experience of what is true. The Reformed community needs to grow in this desperately. Now, so let me tell you how it most often plays itself out. I have come across far too many brothers who have an intellectual build out of what grace is and lack any and all capacity at extending grace to others. You know what this means? They haven't experienced grace. They just know about it. They've seen a photo of the Grand Canyon and they're talking about it, but they hadn't looked over and felt that thing in their stomach go, oh gosh, this is amazing. And then they turn out to the dude that dogs are the people that haven't been to the Grand Canyon. Let us have full minds, but brothers, let us pursue full hearts. How? We abide. We abide. See how everything's up. It's all tied back. Got to abide. Let us grow in an experience of grace that we might extend it. And then lastly, healthy, godly leaders are constantly trying to sharpen the axe. Ecclesiastes 10.10 If the axe is dull and does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. Wisdom has the advantage of giving success. Now, um, I I feel like I don't need to say a lot about this because you're here. So my guess is that you're here because you're trying to sharpen the axe. You're trying to get better. You're trying to learn and understand more. Let us be, brothers, sisters, always a community of learners, of learners. Um, Peter Drucker said this, we now accept the fact that learning is a lifelong process of keeping abreast of change. And the most pressing task is to teach people how to learn. So Drucker said, not only are we constantly going to be learning, but our people must be constantly learning. And how are they to be constantly learning if we are not constantly learning? And Drucker's tapping into something that that I think is uh, true about how God designed us and wired us, namely that we are meant to continue to grow. Brother, sister, you have not arrived. I I would even push and, and throw me in here and just say, we don't know all that we think we know. I was talking about, um, five years ago, I, I thought I was killing it. And, and I look back at me five years ago now and thankful that guy ain't around anymore. And then five years before that, I thought the same thing and five years before. So I'm like, right now I'm paranoid. Because like right now, I think I'm on it. But I'm thinking, gosh, I thought that five years ago. Now I think that kid's an idiot. It's like, what am I doing? What am I believing? What am I walking in right now that really is idiotic? I just don't know it. So let us always seek to learn. And brothers, you have much to learn outside of our streams. Now we sharpen the axe of faith pastoral ministry, shepherding and care. How we be marked with an ongoing humility that is rooted in our fight to abide with the king who is glad to welcome us into his presence.
Let us be self-aware of how we're wired and what God has done in us and how he has placed us and, and released us to serve him. And might our hearts be guarded against pride, sinfulness, and the lust of the flesh. We will not all make it to the end faithfully serving Jesus. I, I'm, not, I'm talking to you. The, the statistics are overwhelming. You're in here right now. You've got secret, unconfessed sin that you feel like you cannot confess because if you did confess, you might lose your job. And then what would you? And you think this job is better than Jesus. And what a crappy exchange. What a lame job compared to Jesus. Plus, I don't know how you're doing this without him. Trolling the internet, flirting with members of your church, emotionally connecting with ex-boyfriends on Facebook. You're in here. And me saying this right now is God's mercy to you. He has already outed you in the cross. You will not mock him. And forgiveness is available. Grace is here. But you must quit pretending. You will not make it to your deathbed behind this veneer. And God help you if you do. Might we be marked by the mercy and love of Christ. May it compel us to love him, make much of him, and serve him. Not because he needs to be served, but rather because it is our joy to make much of his name and service. All this starts with a pursuit of being healthy men and women. Let's pray. I want to just do this real quick, so if you'll just pray with me here. Um, if you're in here, and, and men, you, you, your real honest confession before the Lord is, hey man, I, not just in light of what you're saying, but really how I limped into this place, man, I am not healthy. And I don't, I'm, you're not standing up and going, man, I'm looking at porn or I'm seeing prostitutes or I'm flirting. That's not what we're standing up and doing, um, although that could be it. But if you're just going, man, I'm not in a place where I'm healthy. I'm not in a place where I'm abiding with the Lord. I'm not in a place where I'm really flourishing in my relationship. I'm finding faith difficult right now. I'm exhausted and overwhelmed. I'm not quite sure how much longer I can hang in there. If that's you and you're in this place, will you just stand for me right now? Just have the courage to stand so we can pray for you. Anybody would just say, man, I am exhausted. I don't know how much longer I can do this. I don't know how much longer I can hang in here, man. Thank you. All right, let me, let me just say this to you, brothers, sisters. God isn't surprised or shocked by anything. And listen to me, he has no regrets. Like in this moment, God in heaven isn't, isn't, 
isn't changing his mind about you. His affections don't waver like that. You cannot purchase what you've been freely given. And so hear me, brothers and sisters, you are loved by the Lord, sons and daughters of God on high. In fact, we're going to sing that in just a minute, that you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. I got home last night. My son's Legos were all over the room. I stepped on one of those Legos. I don't know if you've done that. That doesn't usually incite worship, but rage. Frustrated that for the billionth time, no exaggeration, billionth, maybe more, he once again did the exact opposite of what he was told. My affections for him did not waver. And although the fact that we've got some work to do did not change that I love that little boy so much my heart hurts sometimes. This is a hard aspect for us to believe about God, isn't it? Like we know he can forgive us, right? We know he can forgive us. We see the cross. We see the cross as a a public scorning of shame. We, We see that. But that he would delight in us, love us, forgive us, care for us. This is a harder truth, isn't it? And and so hear me tell you brothers, sisters. It is fine to be perplexed but not crushed. But I want to pray over you today and for you today. So if you're around these men and women who are standing up, will you just get a hand on them right now? Let's pray out loud to the Lord, men, for these men and women. Father, we thank you for these men, these women, the courage that they have and just standing up and saying, man, I'm not healthy right now. I'm not, I'm weary. I'm tired. I don't know what's next. I'm, I've got this disjoint. I'm walking in secret sin. I am. Father, will you minister to them right now just in the power of your Holy Spirit? Will you flood souls? Will you break hearts? Will you open the door for legitimate repentance that leads to wholeness and health? Father, do something here. Do something supernatural in these souls. You have called us to yourself. We did not look for you. You came and grabbed us. You began this work. You will complete this work. Strengthen our courage in this moment to do all that we can to put sin to death, to throw ourselves upon your mercy and to be made whole by your grace. We don't want to pretend anymore. We don't want the thin veneer that we kind of put out there of confidence and having our stuff together to be there anymore. Melt us in this moment. Melt us today. Let all of the bull, all of the hiding vanish and let us finally walk in the victory that you've used us to bring into the hearts of others. What a terrible position to be in. To be a conduit of power that experiences none of the power that we are conducting. Help us, Jesus. We need you. We need you. Let's say it to him. We need you, Jesus. We need you. Help us. From those standing to those not standing, we need you. There's one of us in this room strong enough, one of us who's going to make it to the end. If you do not, as we read in Jude, keep us from stumbling. So keep us, Lord. No, nobody arrogant in this room. Nobody thinks they got it down in this room. 
and where we think we've got it down, would you, would you stick a deeper thorn in us? For our good and your glory, stick a deeper thorn in. Make us sick. Make us fearful. Make us not be able to sleep. Do whatever you have to do, Father, to burden us to need you, to be desperate for you. And it's for your beautiful name that I pray. Amen. Brothers, sisters, we're going to sing just a song or two. Let me, let me just say this um, as we're concluding this time. If you stood up and your issue is far more serious than I'm tired, then, then you need to make some moves. You tracking with me? You need to make some moves. If you don't know where to turn, I mean, you can email me, somebody on our board, and we'll try to find somebody you can talk to. But do not let this gar- darkness grow or fester in you. You will not only do much damage to yourself, but you're going to do much damage in the hearts and lives of others and much damage to the name and renown of Jesus Christ. Let's choose not to go that way. So if you don't know where to go, don't know what to do, email me, email one of the board directors, email one of the region. We'll try to help you as best as we can. But don't just go, okay, I stood up now and got prayer if it's deeper and darker than that. And here's what's frustrating to me. Some of you hearing me say this are going to choose to continue to treat that grown freaking lion like it's your pet. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to read about you on the city. And there'll be a, a type of weird emotion called compassionate rage that will flare up in my heart because God in his mercy tried to help you today. God in his grace tried to intervene today. And you were just so freaking proud that you couldn't do it. Let's not do that. Why? God, why? Why would you choose? You're freaking miserable. Why? 